Welcome to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. I'm excited that you're here with us this week. Now, as you listen to the show, you, you know, my guests and I, we get that sometimes that word sales can throw us into a tailspin. We don't know what skills to focus on to get better, right? To save time and, and money and also to make more time and money in our life. Well, to help you on your journey of changing your sales game, in the show notes, you will find my communication style assessment. It's my gift to you. You will get two reports. One, spotlighting your natural superpowers as you communicate. So you understand how your message is landing with whoever you're communicating with, hopefully humans. And on the flip side, you'll get a low, your lowest score will, will uh, generate a report, which typically spotlights your uh, blind spot, which means maybe your message is not being received by people who communicate 180 degrees different th- differently than you. So I hope that gift uh, helps you navigate changing your sales game. It just makes it a smidge easier. That's what I'm here for. Now, my motivational quote today is by the amazing Napoleon Hill. And he says, if you can't do great things, do more, do small things in a great way. So, oh my God, you know, I am a, I'm a dork, right? I, I am a big Napoleon Hill fan. Love all his quotes. Love him. Probably read all his books. The one I chosen for today, um, for today's show is really no different. So for the past 40 years, I think I've lived both my personal and professional life working on or creating what I would call micro habits that I can learn, execute, master, build upon, and then rinse and repeat with the next skill I needed to grow to get me to the next level of success for me, for my business, for my life. Now, I found that building these small things upon each other is just when magic seems to happen organically. Developing expertise in anything is impossible without ongoing practice and effort. And it's kind of a simple concept, yet we forget to do it. So today, my amazing guest is Joel Stevenson. Joel is a general manager of direct brands at Vendasta, uh, which acquired Yesware in 2022, where Joel was the CEO um, prior to Yesware, Joe built Wayfair's, this is so cool, Wayfair's B2B business from scratch to over $400 million in annual revenue. Um, he also ran Wayfair's UK business and oversaw the FP&A functions at Wayfair, transitional, uh, transitioned into a publicly traded company. Now, before Wayfair, Joel worked as a consultant at ZS Associates and spent the early part of his career in various sales roles. Now, Joel has an MBA from Yale School of Management and a BS in Business Administration from the University of Illinois. And this is adorable. His number one goal is to be number one humor endorse number one in humor endorsements on LinkedIn. So, welcome, my good my good humored friend Joel to the show. Well, so, Joel, well. thanks for being on. Hopefully I won't be too boring after that introduction. (laughs) Well, it's so, yeah, you really now, right? I want to see the Uber, but it's so funny. I can honestly say I've never seen anyone say that on LinkedIn. So I love it. I love the energy behind it. I I just think it's got a cool vibe. So um, really happy to have you on. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Great to be here. Yeah. When did you get, when did you get your start in sales and how has your career path looked since? Cause I sometimes think we get on this path and then it's like, wait, where did I turn? <laughs> and we're here, right? Yeah. For me, um, 
it really had to, I mean, I started in sales. Um, I wasn't actually, that wasn't really my plan. My plan, I was a, in undergrad, I was a finance major for a while. And, um, then this guy came in and talked, uh, this guy, I think it was Mike Muni was the guy's name. He was the original founder of act software. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you, you know, if you've been around for a while, you probably remember act. I was like the first personal, you know, relationship manager kind of organizer tool. And, um, I saw him speak and he sort of, you know, he sort of made this argument that, you know, no matter what, you know, no matter what you do in business, you're a salesperson. And so a good idea is to learn sales early in your career. And so I thought, oh, that sounds pretty good. Um, and so I ended up taking a job with GTE, which was a you know regional bell operating company. It was like when they split up AT&T, there were all these regional bells and then GT sort of got all the areas that weren't good enough for a, a regional bell. So uh, I ended up in Tampa, Florida, with a bunch of accounts and, you know, and, uh, and that would, that was my first job. But the nice thing about GTE was they had a six month sales training program. So you, before you even got your territory, you spent six months with, you know, classroom education, you know, field ride along certifications, training, all this stuff. So it was, that was a really great uh, start uh, to, to a, to a selling career. So tell us what was the founding vision for Yesware when you started that? Yeah, I, I'm, I personally am not the founder. I, I came in a little bit later, but the, the, when uh, Matthew and Cashman, who were the co-founders of the company originally started it, the general idea was that there wasn't software that was built for salespeople. There was software that salespeople used, you know, like Salesforce. And, you know, there's the old, uh, the old saying about like, you know, the reason it's called Salesforce is you have to force salespeople to use it. And that's, that is a lot of the original, you know, idea of CRM. Like I did a CRM implementation. I was part of a, a team that did it at, at GTE a long, long time ago, Orem or something, one of the, like the very early ones. And uh, at the time it was really all about like control about, it was sort of like, well, what happens if the rep leaves with their Rolodex? Like we want to have all that communication. We want to have that insight. You know, we want to have understanding about what's going on in the forecast. It was always really a management tool. Um, it was never really a tool for how can we make the reps the best they can be. Like our CRM typically was not part of that equation. Um, you know, it's got, it's got a little bit better over time and various iterations of it. But, you know, the idea of Yesware was like, well, let's build software that is first and foremost for the salesperson. And then, you know, sales managers may also get some benefit from that. Uh, but but the idea was like, what, what, what would a salesperson need to make themselves more productive, more effective? And that's how it started. It's so funny that you say that because I remember when I worked in corporate, like the number of reports, and you have to remember, I started when there were no computers too, by the way. Yes, I'm that old, Joel. <laughs> but here was the scary thing. They, you know, at the end of the day, management, because I get, I get, we have to track results. We have to measure, you know, are we making revenue? Are we meeting goals? I get, I get the point of it. And it's a necessary thing. But as a salesperson, right, my job is to go out and develop business and network and make phone calls and meet people. All of this takes time and do some vetting before you go out preparation. Who is the client, right? So you, you show up prepared. All of that takes time. And then they wanted us to do 10 hours of reports. It's like, whoa, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they gave you the, oh, we'll do it on your time. (laughs) You know, I'm already working 50, 60 hours a week. Now you want me to do this reporting. Like what's in it for me, man? Yeah. You're, you're measuring me. I understand that, but can we make this reporting a more simple process because it's labor intensive? And, and by the way, that was yes. When it was manual, right? We had to send up reports and what, what have you, you know, type them up. But fast forward, I, 
when I started my business, Joel, it was hard to find a CRM that was simple and streamlined to do what I needed it to do, right? Which is keep in touch with my clients and track what that relationship looks like. But mm-hmm. from a reporting standpoint, you know, we put in all of these gyrations for what's the end use, right? So for mm-hmm. the salespeople, I agree, we have to keep it simple. So I love the premise of Yesware, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it you know, I think it's, it's served, uh, a lot of reps over time and, you know, the, and versus, you know, a very complicated, long, you know, CRM implementation, and, you know, and they serve different, slightly different purposes, but, you know, normally people are up and running with Yesware in an hour and, and getting benefits so that we've, that's how heaven. we try to try to keep yeah. it. That's heaven for a salesperson, right? What are some of the key highlights would you say in the past five years at Yesware, right? I always like to look at the business growth as well. Um, and how, what do those reiterations look like based on once they're in the market? Yeah, we, um, there's been a few, uh, uh, pieces of the journey. I mean, I think one, one key one that I look at is we, we have, uh, embedded yes, we're deep inside the inbox. And so a part of one of our kind of guiding principles is to keep people in context where, you know, context switching between one screen to another one tab or one task to another can be, uh, can be difficult, especially, you know, the, the generally the people that we serve the best are, uh, you know, account executives or people that are in a, a selling orientation that are managing a whole bunch of different things. Like you're not just doing outbound, you're not just doing right. customer, like you're, you've got, you know, a, a bunch of different hats that you're sort of wearing. And so, you know, the ability to stay in context and have everything in your inbox ends up being a, um, a big benefit to some folks. And we've had a, we had a Gmail version of the product for many, many years. And then we, we started coming out with an Outlook product um, for years uh, and, and Microsoft, when we first built our Outlook product, was not really ready for us. And it took two years at least of working pretty closely with some of their product team to actually get them to build the APIs that we need to build to make Yesware actually work properly um, inside of Outlook. And I would say about a year ago, we finally cracked the code to where um, Yesware works pretty well uh, in, inside of Outlook. And, and so as a result... Um, we've been able to tap into a, a you know, slightly different type of customer base. Um, you know, our, the early Yesware customers were pretty much all SaaS, uh, you know, software as a service um, software companies that had sales teams. And now we're starting to see, you know, many other types of companies. We just signed um, the biggest deal in Yesware history. I can't say who it is, but a very, very large Canadian bank um, is using it for their entire management division now. Like part of that is because, you know, there are many companies and industries that that rely on Outlook uh, versus Gmail. Like a tech company, we sometimes get a little bit blinded to that. We're like, well, everybody's on Gmail, but actually, no, that's not true. Only 25% of uh, of businesses use Gmail or G Suite for their um, for their email communication. So um, that that was a big one. Um, Another one that comes to mind recently is, is we added, um, you know, the ability to to enrich data right inside of Yesware. And so, like for example, if you're doing a a prospecting campaign and you're trying to reach, say, you know, 50 VPs of sales in the Northeast that work in financial services, you can now use Yesware to go find that data and then add those people immediately into uh, into outbound campaigns. And so that's that's been a big, it's been a, uh, an exciting part of the. Second part of the journey. And then, you know, getting acquired um, a year ago by Vendasta was certainly a, um, a big milestone. It's so funny. And that was five years. Like, that's a lot. 
right? Change is change is change. And we have to be able to, you know, unlearn, relearn, unlearn, (laughs) relearn, if you will, because nothing ever, everything stays the same and nothing stays the same, if you know Mm -hmm. what I mean. So, um, wow, that is just brilliant the way it kind of evolved, right? And then working with product teams to create it for the Outlook venue and all of those things. Just really, really cool stuff. Um, Love to hear those stories because it means that we're growing and learning and evolving, which I, I think as a business, we we constantly need to evolve. E- easier said than done. Don't get me wrong, right. uh, but that's just really really cool stuff. I, now I know you have a podcast, the Hard Sell, right? Mm-hmm. What sparked the beginning of the podcast? I'm curious as a podcast. Yeah, I mean we, uh, you know, I guess we we were trying to find different ways to get the yes word story out there. Like generally, the way that we've done it is we've tried to build sales content that is useful to people that doesn't, you know, it isn't like strictly about us, you know, it's just more about, you know, general topics that people want to know about. And then hopefully people get to know us a little bit. And then, you know, if they decide they want to, to try a, a trial of yes, where they can do that. But what, you know, our, our objective is mostly to talk about sales related topics. And so we've got, you know, a decade worth of uh, content on our website uh, that's it's all ungated. You, know, you can just um, go to guesswork.com slash blog and, and check that out. But um, the hard sell was trying to get in a slightly different medium um, and talk about some different aspects of, of selling. And yeah, I, I also find it interesting um, myself. And so it's like, I it's, it's just like whether or not anybody ever listens to it, it's interesting to me because um, I get interesting people to talk to and you know, and I could sort of nerd out about sales or sales technology, you know, for, you know, for, for hours on end. So I just, I just personally find it, you know, kind of fun and interesting. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been a good source where we can reach a, a little bit of a different audience and you can explore topics in a different way than the way that you're going to explore them, you know, just strictly with, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of traditional, you know, web content marketing. It's I listen, I love podcasting. I've been doing it for 12 years. This show, uh, another show I have enlightenment of change for 12 years. This show I've been doing for three and, and I'll just, I'll just share something really cool that just happened. So I, I just found out that both my shows are in the top 5% of all podcasts on the business platform. There's like three over 3 million podcasts or That's something incredible. So that wasn't that so cool. Both of my shows. So I, somebody had shared, Hey, did you go to, and I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking isn't this sad? We don't know. We don't know blind spots. Right. And I, so I was like, oh my gosh, 5%. So of course I'm going to send out a thank you email to everybody that listens. Cause I, I would never have achieved that without the listeners. The second cool thing that happened just, I had work done in my bathroom. We had leakage with the tiles, met this guy was referred to me. He referred me to his wife who was on my other show, enlightenment of change. We posted it last week, Joel Thursday. She texted me. You're never going to believe it. I got business from it. Oh, made my awesome. made my soul yeah. sing, my heart sing. I was like, yes, this is what the show is about for me to be able, just like he said, to spotlight business owners like yourself, you know, CEOs that can help salespeople. But at the same time, if people listen, right, listening and seeing us, because on if they watch us on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, it builds that no like trust factor a lot faster. So the podcast, I think, has a totally different energy and a delivery for people to absorb the content in a more fun, lighthearted way, but also walking away with in 30 minutes, man, I got some action steps that I can take and put into practice or 
an action step of let me explore that. I think that's maybe what my career or business might need. So I love doing the show because the ripple effect of the show itself is just magical to me. Right. And, and that's what we're here for. That's what we're spending the time doing these things because we want to make a difference. And then hopefully that comes back to us, you know, a hundred percent tenfold or whatever, um, because we're giving so much great content and, and energy and vibe and all those things out there. So I love it. And the um, other cool thing is, and that's why we're going to, you're going to share later on how people can join uh, free for initially for as long as they want. And then they can upgrade if their business allows um, down the road. But I love also being able to bring these free gifts to the listeners because it gives them a chance to try us out before they decide to buy. So again, it builds that no like trust factor for others to get to know us so much faster. So it's just such a cool tool for us, but for getting in front of people that need us too. And at a, you know, no price point, right? They can listen to the show for free. So I yeah, love right. podcasting. Can you see I'm a dork? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you become as dorky as me about it. Um, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little behind as far as the, the, the tenure and number of shows. So I got a lot, a lot of work to do to catch up to you, but I'll and try. that, Listen, you got to start somewhere, right? A year from now, you'll have how many shows? So I'm curious that that was my experience with podcasting. Have you seen value from the podcasting? Yeah, we we have. I think um, I'm always I mean, I guess I just sort of assume that nobody listens to it. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a default because we're, we're still pretty new. I think we've done maybe you know, we might be up to 30 episodes or something at this point. But, you know, every now and then somebody's like, oh, I I listened to the pod and I, and I heard something about it or, um, you know, I, I had one guest on where I, th I think we ended up having a, a, a pretty good um, interview where he was able to explain what he was doing pretty well. And, and, you know, he uses that, I think, to send to people to say like, Oh, just listen to this, you know, listen to this part of the interview and you'll, you'll understand a little bit better about, you know, kind of what we're doing. So I think that's been helpful. We had a, a, a candidate come through our, um, hiring pipeline, um, for a sales management role recently. And, um, and he was like, Oh man, I love your podcast. Like, it's so good. And I like, he was probably just sucking up. I don't know. Maybe not, but, um, but anyway, it's like, it's, you know, it, it's nice. Um, uh, you know, that, that, you know, just by simply that act of listening one, it's like, it's a little bit of a tell that the person did some research, um, you know, into the company and two, you know, it's an opportunity to get to know us or get to know me a little bit and like how we think about stuff, you know, before anybody even shows up through the door. And so, you know, you maybe, you know, either can maybe have a better discussion when you actually get in person with somebody, or you maybe realize that actually, you know, like <clears throat> Joel's full of shit and all the stuff that he says is wrong. And so like, I don't even want to waste his time with an interview. So, you know. Well, that's not the case, though, because you're brilliant. It's yeah. so funny. I remember um, I did an online class, you know, like a webinar. And then at the end, I have my offer for my program. And so several people signed up. I, I didn't know who they were. Like, I they weren't referred to me. They were just on the webinar. And then they bought my my program. So when I met with them, of, of course, I do a one-on-one -on -one onboarding, getting to know what is their objectives. Because I, I really want to customize. Even though it's a program, I want to customize it to, to make an impact. And this one time, like seven out of seven, they were like, oh, I've been following your podcast. I saw you speak uh, during COVID on some whatever networking. And then I followed your podcast. And then when you did the webinar, I was like, oh my gosh, she's talking to me because they mm -hmm. knew me because of mm -hmm. my, like, because I am who I am right on the podcast when I'm web, whatever it is, I show up as me yeah. and it, it enticed them to purchase. So you, you, like you, I was like, really? <laughs> like you listen to 
show. Who knew that you know, but people are listening out there. So it's just really this cool, um, this subtle exchange of energy that we don't even know it's there, but we're getting good mojo from it, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I find the um, you know, the versus some other, you know, like some of the web analytics and other stuff that you can get that ends up being like pretty detailed. I find and maybe I'm just doing it wrong, but I find sometimes the podcast reporting is a little bit more opaque where you can, you can sort of see, you know, you can kind of see roughly where you, where you stack up, how many reviews you've got, things like that, but you don't really like, there's no audience report of like, Oh, here are all the people that, you know, actually listened uh, kind of a thing. So. Yeah. And the, I use Libsyn as my platform. So on the back end, I do get analytics of how many downloads my show averages between 800 and a thousand downloads per episode, which apparently is pretty good. Again, I guess yeah. that's why I'm in the top. Yeah. Isn't that neat? So again, yeah. there's some analytics out there, but you have to just like anything else, it's a piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, you always want to make sure that we're doing better and the numbers are just one aspect of that, like sales, right? Num yeah. I can't manage a number if I'm coaching you, but the numbers tell a story that I can then leverage to help you change behavior, right? Behaviors change um, the results, right? The numbers at the back end. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all, it's all useful. We just have to be strategic in how we use it because it's time and money to do these mm -hmm. things, right? So we just want to yep. make sure we're being mindful of that. What are some, I'm just always curious because yep. you're more on the tech side, right? I'm more on the soft skills, teaching the sales. Mm -hmm. What are some of the trends that you're seeing in sales right now? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's an interesting time because you've got, uh, I mean, especially in, on the technology side, you have kind of a, you know, you could argue a shrinking pool of buyers because um, funding and interest rates going up, like they're, you know, they're, they're, the, especially the tech market is, um, you know, is having a little bit of a readjustment here. So, you know, you, you probably don't necessarily have a, a growing, uh, a growing purchasing budget out there in the world generally, but then you have the rise of a lot of technologies, including AI, that's making it easier and easier than ever to send out a lot of volume of messages. And so like what, what I'm seeing is that, uh, in general, it is getting much more difficult to get in touch with somebody um, just because the, uh, you know, it's, we sort of, you know, in some ways as a sales profession recently, you know, be through the part of bad actors or whatever, like we sort of worn out the buyers, I think to some extent. And, you know, I, I think about when I first started in sales and this may be similar to, to, you know, to some of your experience, but, you know, I remember like I'm reading an entire book about like how to reach somebody with a cold call. And it's like, Oh, you know, start calling them at five 30 in the morning and wait till their voicemail changes. And then, you know, they show up at seven and then you call them right at seven and you, Oh, if you get the receptionist, here's a pattern that you do like all this stuff to, you know, it, it, we would do those things and we'd have some success with it if, if we put in the time and did it right. Um, it, you consistently, but you know, now it's a little bit different where it, you know, if, if I call, you know, you may not have an office phone anymore. And so I get your cell phone number. I call your cell phone number. Um, and maybe you talk to me or maybe you don't. But a lot of times what ends up happening is like you might talk to Google Assistant and you might say something. And then, you know, I, I look at the text thing and I'm like, well, this person is, is obviously given this no thought. I might mark you as spam. And if I mark you as spam now... Every, every future phone call that you make is going to, it's going to be maybe a little bit more difficult. And that, that can very quickly add up to where it's, it become, you know, now, as soon as you call me, it's scam likely. And now you got to replace your phone number and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, same thing happens on the email side where, you know, you can sort of burn out your, 
uh, burn out your reputation or, or burn out your ability to get in front of people if you just sort of spew nonsense into the world at a, at a very high volume. And, you know, unfortunately, that's the approach that a lot of people choose to take. And so what what I'm seeing is uh, those tactics are increasingly hitting diminishing returns. And the way that people are getting through to people is still using technology to save time, but using the time saved by technology to try to get more live introductions to people or to try to like respond very thoughtfully to somebody's LinkedIn post or to take the time to write a really good email that was obviously not written by a machine uh, to get somebody's attention. It's like you, you try to try to use those things, you know, and if you get in front of somebody now, I think, you know, stakes are a little bit higher. And then hopefully what you do is you don't have any unforced errors in those precious buyer conversations or, or, or buyer journeys that you're, that you're working somebody through. And so that's, that's part of what we're seeing. And I, I think there are, you know, there are very good uses for tools like GPT uh, to um, improve writing or to maybe fill out some parts that aren't as good or to, you know, maybe to, to rework a, a value prop or all that sort of stuff. But it's, there, there are tools that should be used in conjunction with a good sales process. They are not a replacement for um, the sales process. I think like people haven't totally, not everybody's totally figured that out yet. And, and it's so funny because, you know, this is what I tell people with the chat GBT. I use it more for the research piece of things just because mm -hmm. it scours, right? The internet. So I could put it in a very specific and it comes up with some information for me. I personally don't use it to write. And I'm not the best writer, Joel, don't get me wrong. But I feel this is my take on the chat GBT. I, like you, I think it has its place. So chat GBT, let's say, is kind of in the middle of not great, not bad, right? It's kind of in the middle. So anybody who's starting out, maybe not really sure, chat GBT, I think, can raise you up to that middle level because you don't know what you don't know. My fear is, though, you have someone like us where we're skilled and we know what to do. We start using chat GBT, but our expertise is, is high. That chat GBT is going to pull the quality of what it writes or does down. So it diminishes the impact of how you want to show up. So I think we have to use it sparingly. The other thing you said that I want to comment on, I do think technology is important and I think we need to lean into it. Now I'm older, right? I'm, I'm an older entrepreneur, business owner for 22 years. So I've seen the gamut of the growth in the technology world from a business usage. So like I use me, I think it's called meet Edgar. My assistant uses it. So mm -hmm. we set posts up in advance based on like we're recording the show that will go. And then it's done. It's off our to-do list. And then we just make we, we redundancy, right? We still have to inspect what we expect for the technology to do but it has created so much more time that we can work on other projects and I can make more programs or I could do more videos or I can network more effectively. So you're a hundred percent right. The AI is a beautiful thing if used properly. And really we have to lean, I think, into the technology from a freeing our time up so we could do what we're good at. And then the third thing I want to say is my fear is always that Write me a script to get on the phone, like you were saying with the I, I personally have never believed in cold calling. And after five years of doing cold calling early in my career, 35 years, I don't call cold call, right? It's all mm -hmm. through developing relationships, referrals, all those pieces of the puzzle, people getting to know me like my story before. Yeah. But my fear with the technology, when you have people write scripts and stuff, you have one shot to impress that client and you're showing up with that. 
So mm-hmm. that to me, I think is really dangerous, especially new people getting into sales. There's a better way to do it. And, and that's not where I would start business and sales. It's personal. You want to do transactional. Yeah. Then use the chat GBT to write your scripts. You want to build relationship and play the long game. It's personal, man. And you have to hone those soft skills to be able to connect with the other humans, right? That need our services or products or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. And, uh, you know, I think there's probably never been a time when the sort of the opt-in uh, form or referral or whatever you want to call it is, is, is worked has worked, you know, is, is, it, it increasingly better than the the massive cold, you know, kind of versions uh, of things. And the, sometimes, you know, what, what I, you know, cause yes, we can sort of be used for evil or good. And, you know, we sometimes have customers that, you know, that, you know, that end up more on the spammy side of things. And, um, and what, what we try to explain to people is that, you know, let's say you said you sent an email campaign out to 3000 people and maybe it, it didn't take you that much time. Maybe you get one person that responds and you're like, oh, great. Like didn't take me that that much time. And I got one response. Well, what you that's a positive metric that you can see. But what you can't see are all the negative metrics. So maybe, you know, a bunch of people marked you as spam. Maybe a bunch of people are like this person is a joker or this company is stupid or whatever it ends up being. And, you know, so you might hurt your future ability to sell. And you could easily, if you're in a sales territory, you could easily burn out a territory, you know, and you would never know it, right? Because no one's going to take the time to write you to say like, you're a moronic spammer. You know, sometimes people do, but it's, it's increasingly rare, I'd say. So, you know, and then the, then the next person shows up and has a sales story that, you know, sales story that's like pretty well, you know, burned out, you burned out your company's re- reputation. And then you got to kind of start from, from ground zero. So you, you gotta, you gotta be These tools are very powerful, um, and you can use them to your benefit or, or to your detriment. And, uh, and it's not always obvious right away that you're, that you're hurting yourself. It's so funny when COVID hit, right? I had done everything live. I didn't have an email list, right? Like mm. I emailed people that I knew, right? That I was working with, I was networking with. That's how I emailed them or LinkedIn or whatever it was. Um, and I remember when I started building my email list and corresponding with them to see if I could generate, you know, this digital business in this dig- digital realm. And so we started monitoring how many people were unsubscribing, not, it didn't make me feel bad, but I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure what is the lot, exactly what you just said. What's the logic behind that unsubscribe? Is it somebody I knew? And like, I would get notes like, honey, I can't believe I'm on three of your lists. Okay. Then I said to my, my marketing person, we have to go in and scrub because they should not be getting three emails from me. So if you use the data in a positive way to refine, and then the other thing is you're sending emails, giveaways, whatever I'm part of, all of a sudden I'm getting all these unsubscribes. It was just too much. It was just too many emails. So then you have to scale back. So um, again, I don't, I've, I've never been reported as spam. I think maybe once it was probably a mistake. Um, I don't get a ton of unsubscribes, but when I do, I look at the numbers. Why? How much mailing did we do? Did I burn them out? Was I becoming a jerk? I don't ever want to become a jerk. I want to remain relevant. So I think if we use that information, again, to build real relationships, right? I'm all about the real relationship. I think they're, again, they're useful tools if used appropriately. It's like anything else, right? That's right. Yeah. Just last question. What tip or idea do you think um, helps people become successful in sales today? What would be that one little tip that you would give? I think it's, you know, sales in many ways is about um, effective follow-up. And, uh, you know, if you could, if you could do one thing, if you could control one thing, I think if you just control effective follow-up and, you know, to the extent of, 
Here, here's a stat from you for, uh, for, from yes, where it's kind of interesting. If, if you don't get uh, an email response uh, within an hour from an email that you send, there's about a one in 20 chance that someone's going to respond to you uh, ultimately over time. And, and, you know, and on average, it takes, you know, to get, um, uh, to get somebody on average, to get somebody to reply to an email, um, it, it could take five to six. Now, if you have a good relationship with somebody, it's not going to take that, but some of you are just getting to know, you should expect that you're going to have to contact them probably five to six times before you, you get in touch with them. And so, you know, being able to manage that follow-up, you know, from, from an initial um, communications perspective, but then, you know, just through the whole process, I, I sometimes like to think of it as uh, like forced versus unforced errors in tennis. Uh, whereas like if somebody blasts a serve at you and you miss it, well, that's a forced error. It was a really hard serve. But if you, you, know, you get a, get a softball and you just smack it, you know, right into the net, that's, that's your fault uh, for doing that. And you see, you know, salespeople, you know, missing these precious leads because they don't follow up, you know, appropriately or timely or enough or too much, you know, as it could also be a problem um, and, and without the appropriate information. So, you know, adding value with every exchange um, is a really important part of effective follow-up. And I think, you know, if you, if you could just get yourself into a position where you're not losing deals for, just because your your um, uh, sort of the technicals were wrong, if you will, it's a, you know it's one thing if you lose a deal because maybe your product wasn't the right thing or the, the yeah. buyer lost their budget. You know, like there's a lot of fine reasons to lose deals, but because you just screwed, you got too busy and you forgot to follow up with this person because this other deal was really hot and you just let it like that's a that's tough. And it, and I think in times like this when the market tightens up a little bit and interest rates are high and people are a little bit more cautious. Like you just, you just can't afford to, just can't afford to lose a deal because of uh, inappropriate follow-up. Yeah. I think it's some statistics, Joel. It's like 98% of salespeople stop after the fourth or fifth touch. And that could be an email, a web, you know, they, they listen to the show. So it doesn't always have to be a phone call or an email direct. Um, We need now because of social media and because the amount of information that's thrown at us every day, whether we realize it or not, we're like over sensory. Um, It's exponential now. Um, the, uh, the reality is we need to reach out and touch people 13 to 18 times. So that 2% of salespeople do the 13 to 18 times. And oh, by the way, they're the ones going to the bank <laughs> with mm-hmm. bank you know, with yeah. money. So, right. um, follow-up is such a, a key piece of, of, of the process, right. Of that sales process. And the other thing you said, I think is important. You, you have to have a process find like I have my seven steps. I've used it for 40 years and it's rinse and repeatable because it works. Right. So what mm-hmm. is your sales process? I think you have to define that, get really good at all the sub skills under whatever those topics are, right? Like follow up. You got to get really good at those behaviors and those habits and put systems in place that you can easily follow up. That's just one step. So if we could get good at all the sub skills, now you're humming along and no matter whether we have slow, economic times, booming economic times, you're in the game because you have a nice full pipeline and you have all those habits in, on rinse and repeat. You're, you might feel a little pinch, but overall, you're not going to you know, see the real high peaks and valleys that we often see in sales. So yeah, follow up, man. That's that great tip. It, to me, that's like the linchpin that keeps the rest of the wheel moving uh, forward. So thank you for that. Great. I agree hundred um, percent. 
before we go, I want to give your information. So I hope you are inspired by today's discussion. Joel clearly is brilliant at what he does. And, you know, he's pretty funny too, by the way. So if you'd like to reach, yes. Hey, listen, he just got off a flight at 2 a.m. So he was he was on today. I would appreciate have been better it. if not for that. <laughs> Lying. It's not fun, right? Reach out to uh, Joel if you have a question. It's jstevenson at yeswear.com. I will put that in the show notes. If you want to check out the website, please do also. It's uh, yeswear.com. And there's there's that free, tell them about the free link that they could start to play with Yeswear, absolutely no cost and a free version. Can you share that, please? Yeah, if, if you just go to the homepage, you can start a, a free trial of Yeswear and it'll, it'll just ask you whether you're on Gmail or whether you're on Outlook and uh, you can... Um, you can install right from there and you, you can get up and running in, in a few minutes and you you get a 28 day um, trial for free. That's, that's fully loaded. And then if you decide um, you just want to go back down to the free tier, we have a free forever tier that gets you basics like, you know, some email tracking and appointment setting uh, capabilities. And, you know, it's a, we hope, we hope you find it helpful. That's so awesome because I have to tell you, you have to have some kind of CRM, something. And even if it's simple at first, because then sometimes we grow into it and then they can upgrade, right? As, as the need arises. So check out yeswear.com and that free membership link. Um, I will put the, the free and then they can decide later on. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. So easy peasy for you guys to find uh, Joel and to find that specific uh, usage. Joel, I have to tell you, thank you so much. Technology is is still tough for me. (laughs) You know, it's an age thing, I know, but I really embrace it because I see the value of all these things that are being created in this virtual realm and with technology and chat GBTs and the AIs and everything. I agree with you. We have to be cautious. And I think use it from an analytics perspective because that information really propels us to see what effort is, is, is creating, right? The return on my time and the return on my investment. So thank you so much. This was mind blowing for me. And I am going to download the yeswear.com kids. So join me and come and play uh, with Joel, Joel and I uh, on the, on that platform as well. Joel, thank you again. And, and truly thank you for showing up. I know you have to be exhausted after your flight it's appreciated that you came and brought your a-game i i appreciate that yeah it was fun it was uh, nice being here and uh, yeah i'll probably take a nap now <laughs> you do that i think you've earned it and i want to thank you all for joining me uh weekly as we question build and discover together no matter where you are on changing your sales game i truly hope my guests and i inspire you to take some action whatever that is for you. Maybe it's downloading the free version of Yesware or reaching out to Joel if you have a question specific to something you're trying to achieve. Again, he's got a great background, plus he has the technology piece. So please reach out to him, pick his brain. That's what that's what he's here for, right, Joel? Yep. <laughs> and uh, thanks again for being on. You've been listening to Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.com. I truly am inspired that you join me weekly with my guests on the show. And I hope that you take this information, ideas, um, software in this case, apply it in your real life, your real business. And I promise you, with action comes reaction, which comes magic. And I want everybody to have magic in their life and business. Thanks again for tuning in. I will see you all next week. I love you so much. Have a great week, everybody. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. 
And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow. 